I mean, so many people, they say that, no, my biggest regret is that I've sold properties. And I never say that. I mean, yes, conceptually, from a financially standpoint, maybe you could have gone, you could have done better with equity gains. Are you a real estate investor looking to sharpen your skills or a newbie looking to become one? You're in the right place. Welcome to Where Should I Invest? Real Estate Investing in Canada with your host, Sarah Larby. Hey guys, it is Sarah Larby. I am enjoying this weather. I live for this. I live for this nice sun. I'm loving the water. I'm loving the dock and life is good. Today's guest is Tim Tsai, who is a property manager, real estate investor, realtor, coach, and so much more. And he's been living a lifestyle as well, enjoying Hawaii and many others. He's been on the podcast before and he retired himself at the age of 30. So this is going to be a great podcast. But before we bring on Tim and you can learn more about him, we are going to hear from Dahlia from Streetwise Mortgages on what is important to know this week. What's the financing tip of the week? Dahlia, over to you. Hi, I'm Dahlia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages, and in today's episode, I will go over the eight unique qualification factors that lenders take into consideration when approving mortgages for residential income properties, that is one to four units properties. We will discuss the first few today and the rest in the upcoming episodes. I will share with you tips for each of these factors to enhance the chances that your mortgage application gets approved at the terms that you anticipated. So let's dig in. Here are the eight factors. Number one, your credit score. Number two, your personal income. Number three, down payment sources if you're buying a property. Number four, whether you are holding title in your personal or corporate name. Number five, the rental income your portfolio generates. Number six, your personal net worth. Number seven, the condition and zoning of the property you are refinancing or buying. And finally, number eight, the size of your portfolio. Let's start with your credit score. Many of the A lenders look for a minimum credit score of 650 for a rental mortgage application. Some may work with a score of as low as 600, but they will cut down the amortization on the mortgage. B lenders would work with credit scores below 600. Here is a tip for you. Monitor your credit score on a regular basis to ensure that it's healthy and that there are no surprises on your credit, such as suspicious activities or collections that you are not aware of. You can register for such a service through Equifax or TransUnion. Pulling your own credit through such a service will not impact your credit score. Let's now move on to personal income. Personal income plays a large role in the approval of a residential mortgage application. You may be salaried or earning income in various forms as a self-employed business owner or in the form of investment income or from various government sources like old age security, child support, RIFs, or a combination of all. Here are the things you need to be aware of when it comes to income. If you are self-employed, the A-lenders will want to see that you have paid yourself from the business for two years in order for them to use the income. This could be in the form of dividends, returns of shareholder loans, or as a salary, or a combination of all. 
Some A lenders also have programs where they would consider a percentage of your corporate income if your business is incorporated in addition to what you pay yourself from the business. This is a great program that can help you qualify for more from a mortgage standpoint. If you're not paying yourself enough from the business to qualify with A lenders, then B lenders can be a great alternative as you can use income that you're earning as a self-employed client regardless of whether or not you own the business for two years and regardless of whether or not you filed your personal taxes. For this, the B lenders will charge higher interest rates and, and lender fees. If you are earning investment or interest income, the A lenders would want to see that you've earned that for two years in order to consider it. The B lenders, on the other hand, will rarely use this type of income. I often get a question from clients when they switch jobs from one employer to another. And the question is, can I get a mortgage approved while I am on probation? The answer is yes, with some A lenders, as long as you are transitioning within the same industry. This is not the case with B lenders, and they will need to see that you have passed probation before you get a mortgage approval. If you are employed and you are on a contract, some of the A lenders will still approve the file on an exception basis. The B lenders, however, are okay with contracts, but they will keep the mortgage term below or at the contract term. So if your contract expires in one year, you cannot get a mortgage with a B lender beyond the one year term. In order to avoid surprises with your mortgage application and get the best financing terms given your plans, it is important to proactively plan the eight qualification elements. Our team at Streetwise Mortgages offers complimentary planning sessions to help you do just that. Contact us at info at streetwisemortgages.com to book your session today. Cheers to your success. Awesome. Thank you so much, Dahlia. That was great. And guys, reach out to Streetwise for more information. So before we bring on Tim, we are going to talk about managing properties remotely with him. We're going to talk about leveraging real estate and so much more and how to invest while living the life in Hawaii. And we're going to talk about some insights on mindset and so much more. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Don't forget to leave a rating and review. See you next week. Tim Tsai, welcome. How are you? Doing well in a beautiful plus 30 weather right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little jealous. You've been gone for a while in the sense that like, I don't think you've been here for what, three, four, five months. How long have you been gone for? I mean, this time around, actually just a bit over a month. Usually though, I'm, I, I think I travel about 150 days a year. Nice. Plus. Nice. <laughs> so you love traveling. I mean, where are you right now? Is it still in Hawaii? Yes. So we just left Waikiki yesterday and we got to an area called Ko'olina and it's still on Oahu and Ko'olina is beautiful, beautiful. Anybody that, uh, that's thinking about coming to the island of Oahu, I know Waikiki is usually where everybody goes. Mm -hmm. However, the other side of the island, which is the west side, not even the north shore, the west side of the island is really well developed now. And there's this little village called Ko'olina. It's where the Four Seasons Resort is at. That's where we're at right now. And then the Disney Olani Resort and then a beach club uh, by Marriott. Nice. Nice. So beautiful area. I went, it must be like 10 years ago now, but we went to Waikiki and I found it very commercialized. Like, you know, it was, 
I think going back, I, I'm going to do something like you and just kind of go to the other yeah. places that, you know, are, are maybe less on the map of, of the most, yeah. you know, top tourist places to go to. Yeah. It's yeah. nice to live I mean, with the locals and just experience the culture differently. Yes. You know, funny you said that though. I mean, like I said, we just came from Waikiki yesterday. However, we, we stayed at the, the Ritz residence this time for 10 days and we met a few owners of the Ritz Carlton residences. And, you know, I know we were kind of discussing where to invest. Mm -hmm. And funny enough, Hawaii has never been on the top of my list ever. I just thought the numbers would, would not work really well at all. And then we started chatting with these owners and because it's what they call a branded condo, obviously you can actually put your units into the rental pools when you're not using it. And the funny thing is also the fact that we've always said, as an investor, you generally don't really invest in condos unless you're the developer, like what you're doing. However, in this case though, what we've learned is that the branded condos in Hawaii specifically, because of COVID, while like everything, like, like everywhere else, while the land value and the single family homes have gone up like crazy during COVID period, even in every, actually in every single island that we, we know, the condos actually went down hmm. a lot. And so while the single family home markets were coming up by about 30, 40% during COVID, the condo market crashed by about 60%. So there are deals to be had right now if you do it right. So we're doing a lot of homework on that too. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. You, who would have known, eh? Hawaii, Hawaii was always like on the map of like feeling like it was super out of reach in terms of, of cost and, and return on your investment. But it sounds yes. like- you know, there's always some opportunities if you, if you look uh, enough exactly. at the right spots. Exactly. So yeah. obviously I admire your lifestyle and I love my lifestyle too. And, you know, it just happens that I'm still in the cold while you're in Hawaii, but <laughs> you know, we do this for being able to enjoy a lifestyle. Like I, I, from May to September, just go to my cottage and I shut everything down that would require me to do anything indoors. So let's, I mean, obviously you're, you're quite experienced, but let's talk about lifestyle for a minute. And just, if you could share what real estate has brought you in terms of your lifestyle, like what does that look like? Like what is a typical month look like for you or, or year look like for you? Yeah. So, I mean, aside from, I, I mean, if, we're, if we were to just discuss what real estate investing has been, been able to do for my life and my lifestyle, it's, I don't, I don't even know. I, I mean, every single day, honestly, I just like, for example, I walk out and the beach is literally 30 seconds away and it's just amazing. And every single day when I get to do that, I just, I'm nothing but grateful. Um, I started 12 years ago and um, how I started was I actually invested in real estate. However, I wasn't educated. I wasn't trained. So I gave somebody else my money and they took my money and ran because they folded and it was an, an ugly, ugly class action lawsuit back then. And um, that was really my aha moment. And so 12 years later, fast forward, I mean, I, re I realized that when I first got started, all I wanted was, you know, I was still climbing the corporate ladder back then. All I wanted was I wanted to make sure that nobody else can take my money and run, a run away with it and me not mm -hmm. knowing what to do. And obviously, I think at this point, your listeners, like all of us, we're all smart enough to know that the traditional investment vehicles really don't work for us. That's basically just putting money into RSPs, maybe even stock markets or mutual funds or anything like that. And then over the years, I think we really felt our lives started to change because 
we started to gain a bit more control over how much we want to work. And I think it was a lot of influence really came from years ago, I was listening to this successful entrepreneur talk and he goes, I, this is how I view success on Sunday, every week, I will look at my agenda for the next, for the upcoming seven days. And the first things that I pen in are the things that I want to do that feed my soul. That makes me excited. That gets me going. And that, that could be meditation. That could be gym. That could be outdoor activities. That could be just hanging out with friends, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. golfing, swimming, climbing, hiking, whatever it may be. And that was truly my aha moment. And I felt like from that point on that set the blueprints for me. And so I realized that I really enjoy traveling. And I think some people, they know a little bit about my story um, is that I've had three heart attacks in my life so far, and I'm still constantly dealing with five different autoimmune disorders. So what that really translates into is that I've just learned to honor how fragile and short sometimes life could be for some people. And I just want to maximize every living moment. And so obviously it didn't just magically happen. And that's why real estate investing has been one of those things that one of those amazing vehicles for me personally, that I did had to put my head, head down for the first few years, build my portfolio, create my passive income, create my active incomes through different projects. And it got to the point where we truly can say that we can be wherever we want, however long we want with whoever we want and doing whatever we want. And this is, you know, 10, 12 years later, we're 12 years into my journey, basically. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people, especially on Instagram these days, they, they're all like, oh, you're so lucky. Oh, you know, it just seemed like it, it's an overnight success kind of thing. No, I worked for 12 years to get here. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it, you're, you've got this lifestyle, but you built it and you put in, I'm sure, lots of, you know, blood, sweat and tears into it. And even for me too, like there, there were, when I was working full time and I was working, you know, some jobs were requiring me to work 80 hours a week, plus then the real estate stuff on top of it. Like it is a grind that you need to do for a certain amount of time. Can you share a little bit of like what your life looked like before as you were getting there? <laughs> Oh, life. Well, you know what? You actually just said the exact number that I usually say, 80 hours a week. And um, I think you're a lot younger than me. So I'm going to say that there was one point in time I actually slept with my blackberries. I sometimes call it blueberries. I don't know why. Blackberries. (laughs) And I had two of those. I had a blackberry as well. I I started. Yeah. I don't think I'm as young as you think. I'm young. (laughs) Maybe 38. Okay. Okay. There we go. I mean, I'm, I just turned 40 a couple weeks nice. ago. So we're so. like almost the same age here. <laughs> almost. Yeah. So Not you to know, know what a blackberry is because we probably <laughs> had one. So many people don't know these days. It's so funny. And so I used to sleep with my blackberries next to me because I was in marketing and in sales and I was managing four different teams by the time I was 28 years old across three different time zones because we live in a very big and expensive country. And what that really meant is that at about six o'clock in the morning, I mean, I call Edmonton home when I'm in Canada. So that's usually mountain time. So at six o'clock in the morning, that's eight o'clock Eastern time where you're at usually. And my phone would start ringing because my East coast peeps are getting ready for the day. And I also manage people anywhere from 25 all the way to 60 something. And that also means that their circadian rhythms are very different. So basically, I would be answering calls from six o'clock in the morning till past midnight every day. 
And what that also meant is I had to travel every other week to go and coach my team, to be on the road, to have meetings. So I'd be flying, I'd be driving to Calgary, to Victoria, to Vancouver, to Toronto. That was the life. And Mm -hmm. because at the time, my mindset, like most of us growing up is, you know, study hard, get a degree, get a good job, get a corporate job, especially climb that ladder. So there's benefits, there's pension, there's retirement, all that kind of good stuff. And really all that meant nothing when I hit my third heart attack because I literally was working myself to the ground. And that was what life was like before real estate. And then somebody took my savings and ran with it. So something had to change. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, investor, we want to let you know our partners at Calvert Home Mortgage are ready to finance your next Burr or Flip project. Several students in my coaching program have had an exceptional experience borrowing from Calvert. Benefits include as little as 20000 down, no appraisals needed in most instances, quick funding, and they lend the assignment fee for wholesale deals as well. Right now, we're offering Calvert Home Mortgage's free Flip Burr Analyzer tool to run your numbers on deals. It's in our podcast description below and terms and conditions do apply. Visit chmic.ca to learn more and follow them on Instagram at Calvert Home Mortgage underscore. And now back to the show. And now back to the show. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I do want to say like, I mean, you know, three heart attacks, it was, you know, and, and, you're, and you're fit. So it's not necessarily, I think this is a, a genetic thing, right? You were born with this. Is that what it was? Yes. So yeah, it, it actually, it, it didn't, it didn't happen until I was 17. So by the age of 18, I had my first one and um, went to started seeing a cardiologist doing a bunch of tests and they couldn't find out what, what was wrong with me. And then 19 had a second one. And uh, so got referred to another cardiologist and I was in Vancouver at the time and still couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. However, the second one was probably smart enough to say, I, I can figure it out. However, you've had two. So this is probably serious. Mm-hmm. So he referred me to back then the head of the cardiology department at St. Paul's in downtown Vancouver. And within a couple of tests, this guy was able to say, yep, I know exactly what's wrong with you. Turns out after puberty, I grew an extra circuit and two extra arteries in my heart, but they were very micro. Hmm. And so that's why it was really hard for them to, uh, to figure out what was, what was wrong with me. And, and I mean, I wasn't always fit because of all the natural illnesses. And this is why I always say, you know, by the time I'm 40, I want to look my hottest. <laughs> because in my 20s, when all my friends were going to the gym, they were looking super great. I was in a hospital all the time. Wow. So yeah, I just made health and fitness a priority ever since then. I mean, especially having the time freedom, it's much easier to do that too. Yeah. Can I ask, like, is there a risk of a fourth heart attack or, or is that a non-issue anymore? I don't think it's going to be an issue anymore. I mean, the third one was really, really complicated because after my, my, I actually, I had a surgery in 2002 and my third one was 2011. And even when that happened, my doctor was like, that is not supposed to happen. And it turned out that it was also complication from one of the autoimmune disorders that I'm dealing with, where through malnutrition, overworking stress, and my rib cage was actually caving in and putting pressure on my already operated and less functioning heart than a normal heart. Hmm. So yeah. So has that changed your mindset at all? Like going through that? I would say a thousand percent. Because like I said earlier, it just, I realized 
I, I think it's blessing in disguise, really, because right now I'm truly, truly grateful that I've had to deal with all the health challenges leading up to this point and continuing on because it becomes sort of the measuring stick in terms of how I want to approach my life every single day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, sure. I mean, I'm not, you know, wasteful in going. I always have to do amazing, amazing five-star vacations. However, I'm also not going to deprive myself and put things off either. And that doesn't apply just to pleasure. It applies to work and work ethic as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and just like for people to kind of understand, you also have a large portfolio of real estates and, and you do some coaching and that kind of stuff. But, you know, like, how are you, if you, if you don't mind sharing just like what your portfolio is, is I guess today roughly yeah. what, what it is, but like also how you're managing this all while you're vacationing yeah. 150 days out of the year. <laughs> so, I mean, this is what I, what, what I really wanted to do is the fact that I wanted to build a business leveraging real estate as the vehicle. Cause I think there are a lot of people when they look at real estate, they are thinking, you know, I'm going to say, think bigger, dream bigger with real estate, because all you're doing is leveraging a different investment vehicle to build a business. And business by definition means that you've got to have processes and systems. More importantly, you need to be able to hire people that you can trust. However, trust is not always given, and we know that. And depending on your natural personality type, some, for some people, it might be harder. I know a lot of people think that I'm a control freak. I am. I have been. I have a little bit of OCD tendencies. I love cleaning. That's one of the first things that I noticed. <laughs> and However, it just comes down to, I love keeping things organized and in order. And so through real estate, I mean, literally right before this call, I just had another conversation with, um, with, with another investor as well. And I was sharing the fact that, I mean, I usually don't share this. However, he asked the same question. So I will share this since now you're asking too, because we just finished doing our uh, year end for last year as well. And uh, I mean, we're, when the, when the accountant said, you've officially reached eight-digit net worth, that was a surprise to me because that wasn't what I set out to do. It really wasn't. I mean, I set out to get freedom, to get my time back, to get my health back. However, this is why I love real estate so much. And like you, because with real estate, when you do it right, it really is inevitable that you will accumulate a wealth over time. However, our business model really right from the get-go to buy time back was to make sure that we create enough passive income. And so we actually, you know, compared to a lot of um, people that you may have interviewed, I don't, I don't know what they are at. However, we literally just, just pushed over 400 doors. That's also the result of buying and selling over the years. I mean, so many people, they say that, no, my biggest regret is that I've sold properties. And I never say that. I mean, yes, conceptually, from a financially standpoint, maybe you could have gone, you could have done better with equity gains and whatnot. However, we treat it as a business and as a business, money comes and goes, everything comes and goes. And I always like to joke that properties are like people, the older we get, the more problems we have, which means that more costly it takes to maintain. And so if you really want to get technical about it, that means every single building, inevitably your NOI goes down year after year. And that's also why the CRA, the IRS, they allow you to do capital loss or cap. I mean, you can do the deductions for depreciation on properties as well. 
There's, there are reasons behind that. However, I just really spent the last 10 years really learning how to leverage real estate as my main vehicle. However, I treat it as business. I always, always treat it as business. And what that means is I learn how to manage the managers more than managing properties myself. So we learn how to put a middleman between us so that while, while they're de dealing with the day-to-day, we get to go and travel. And so going back to your earlier question too, really, if we're just talking about real estate portfolio, at the very most, we probably spend anywhere between two to four hours on a weekly basis, max. Just mm -hmm. making sure we get our reports, we get the questions and we approve things. That's about it. So processes, procedures, but also having the right people in the right spots so that you can step out of working in the business absolutely uh, with 400 units and that's amazing and congratulations on the eight figures as well that's always exciting Thank you. yes so i mean <laughs> it was a shock it was a surprise i'm not gonna lie that is that is awesome let's go back to it you you know you said something that was i think is important because many people including myself i i am always reluctant to to sell certain assets and certain properties but you know there's always we're selling one now as well we're redeploying we have a, a you know next step to redeploy into specific to other specific properties but what are some of the things that you do to say should i sell what should i sell how many should i sell like what is the criteria that you have in order to determine if that is going to be a strategy to sell right Great question. So right now, funny enough, we are looking at opportunities now on Waikiki, as I mentioned earlier. Branded condo was never a thing for us. And also the last couple of weeks, we also got exposed to this concept called the DST. It stands for Delaware Statutory uh, Trust. And so there's another way that we can actually invest as well. As Canadians, there are a couple of hoops that we've got to jump through. I can, I'm more than happy to share that. When I'm more educated about it, I'm actually going to a lunch to learn this, this Thursday here too. However, the idea really is it's all about opportunity cost. It's not the physical cost anymore that we look at. However, I mean, those numbers are still very important. Like I said, if your NOI is decreasing, technically speaking, that also means that your cash flow is decreasing, even if your debt servicing holds the same over time. So what that means is your cash on cash is constantly going down and down and down over time. And so at what point, very much like when we're making an offer, we always talk about what is your maximum allowable offer? What is the maximum you would offer on a, on a building? At the same time though, after you've acquired it, I mean, we always say that one of the first things that we gotta do as professional investors is not to get emotionally attached to our building. Cause this is a business, it's a numbers business at the end of the day. And so really if we're evaluating whether or not we are looking at selling something, let the numbers do the talking one more time. What is the minimum, minimum you're able to accept from a cash on cash return perspective? And then when you look at another opportunity, then you can actually calculate your entire opportunity cost. So for example, let's say if you're selling something that's spitting out a cash flow of $1,000 on, on a monthly basis, and then just because you're kind of thinking, okay, you know what? Everybody's talking about four greenhouses, one red hotel. You really want to do that, okay? Let's just say that from this example that I'm giving, because I see this all the time, because for a lot of people, it's more of an ego play rather than a smart play. 
And so four greenhouses, one red hotel, because the opportunity is right there. I've always want to go into bigger units and it just sounds good, especially when I go to networking events. I can say I own apartment buildings, I own commercial units, I own storages or I own warehouses. Sounds better. However, let's say you're sacrificing one greenhouse that's spitting out $1,000 on a monthly basis. And then you now have to sell four of them. So that's $4,000 to go into a building just because you think that, okay, two years from now, it's going to cash flow maybe $10,000 a month. So on paper, initially, it sounds great. Now, what does the next two years look like? Are you able to get service all sites, first of all? Second of all, let's look at it this way. During the next two years, before it actually starts cash flowing $10,000 a month, your opportunity to cost technically is actually $14,000 a month because you've lost the 4,000 here and you're not getting the 10 yet. That's your entire opportunity to cost mm -hmm. at the moment. 14,000 times for 24 months, what is that? And from a business standpoint, talk to your accountant, talk to your bookkeeper. Are you able to float that over the next 24 months to make that happen? Or is it really just pure ego talking? That's how we analyze everything now. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. I want to take a quick pause from the podcast to introduce you to some of my amazing contractors. On this week's episode, I wanted to introduce you to Rob and Joel from White's Elm Design Build. And Rob and Joel just finished my major renovations on my latest Burlington project. And it was a full renovation and absolutely worth it. They've been super easy to work with. I wanted to give you guys some insights on some of the services that they offer their clients and they focus on Oakville to Hamilton and beyond, but they're really great. Like if you guys are ever in a property and you want to FaceTime or video call Rob or Joel, they can actually give you some insights on what to look for and also how much we are looking at renovations. Because if you're thinking about doing a flip or a burr project, the reno part is really important to get right to also figure out how much it's going to cost and what renos are going to be needed to get the actual maximum after repair value. So super important. They will gladly do these video calls or conference calls with you guys to give you some of those insights. They're really good at getting back to clients quickly. They can also do physical walkthroughs. If you guys are thinking about purchasing a property or you have it under contract, they can do that with you. They're super professional and uh, they've been very involved in my latest project and uh, really on the ball. So super easy to communicate with. They finished on time, on budget which is really important as we know. And they've got a whole team of trades. They line them up so that they're as efficient as possible. And they work with a lot of investors, but they also do some of the higher end flip types of projects too. So they work on everything in between. They're fully licensed, insured, WSIB covered. So feel free to reach out to them. They are able to be found at whiteelmdesignbuild.com. That is white elmdesignbuild.com or you can send them an email joel j-o-e-l at whiteelmdesignbuild.com or rob at whiteelmdesignbuild.com good luck on your next projects now back to the show yeah i mean that's super insightful i, I think people should listen to this and then rewind it a couple times and replay it because it is like i mean and, and you've been doing this for for a while how long have you been in real estate for 
12 years, actually. 12 years. So and one Chinese cycle, that's as we call it. <laughs> I mean, and, and you've built tons of insights. Do you, was there a time, like, did it take you a certain number of years or maybe a certain number of hours where you're like, I got this? I mean, obviously, we're always still learning and, and growing and that kind of stuff. But when did you say, like, this is it just all click together, right? Where you could really start scaling or did you start scaling year one right away super quickly? I think I started scaling very, very quickly. I would, I would say within the first year because hmm. when I actually started actively building this business, I was in a long-term disability leave because of my third heart attack. And with my third heart attack, I actually went into very, very severe depression as well. And so I was basically not functioning at all and, and not having the best outlook in life for about the first six months because I was really not feeling great physically. And as a result, every, it, it dragged everything down. However, through that, as I was climbing out of it, coming out of it, and side note, and depending on your listenership, um, that's actually one of my passion projects is I do a lot of charity work. And volunteer work for mental health institutions. And so always happy to have a chat. I'm not certified or licensed in any way. I'm happy to have a conversation, share my journey. You can chat about your journey with me if that's something you want to do. And I'm more than happy to uh, point you to get the support and the help that you think you'll need. However, with that said, I was not in a good place. And then I started to really take inventory of my life leading up to that point. And the funny thing is, even though I started getting educated in 2010, like I said, heart attack is 2011. What happened was I started taking courses, not applying yet. And this is why these days I'm always telling my students, you know, you learn and apply, you make money and you repeat that cycle. Mm -hmm. You apply it as quickly as you possibly can. And I know that's something that you do too. I've heard a lot of great things about your program from your students as well. And that's, and they all say the same thing. And so I just love that. And because for me, even though I invested in my tuition, I went back to my nine to five or my 18 hour a day gig because, well, I, had to, I still had to pay the bills. And because of, of our values and work ethic, we're like, this is still something that we, we committed to. And so long story short, it really put me in a place where I was just not fulfilled anymore. And that's why... In the beginning, as soon as I started applying what I've learned, which is right after the heart attack and as I was climbing out of the dep my depression, because I still had a job on paper, I was able to qualify for mortgages. And this is at the end of 2011, beginning of 2012. So really, I said, I've been doing this for 12 years. Actively, I've been doing this for just over a decade, actually. However, what that means is within the first five months when I decided, okay, you know what? Obviously my job is not serving me well. I literally work myself to nearly death and uh, I invested in my financial education and I'm not using it. What's up with that? And so I started and the moment I started, I, I jumped right into JV opportunities. As through that, I learned how to actually perfect my own process on doing lease options because that's my baby strategy like Alfonso's. <laughs> and uh, so I started doing lease options within the first five deals I maxed out of my, uh, my personal qualification. Mm -hmm. And that was when it hit me right off the bat that, okay, OPM is where it's at. And this is why to this date, when people ask me, you know, what do you do? I no longer say I'm a real estate investor. I do. I tell them that we run a private equity company. 
as opposed to public. I mean, we only work with people that we know we have established relationships with or through very, very solid word of mouth referrals. Mm -hmm. However, this is what I, this is what I say through that very, very first few months, because I saw, first of all, the potential for cash flow coming in. Second of all, I did not want it to end. I wanted to continue to scale up. And I think that's really where it clicked. And that's why also to this day, 95% of our portfolio is still built on OPM because above what it's done for us, I think I, what I love the most, honestly, is seeing the friends and the families that we've been able to help their money work harder for them and give them more peace of mind and security through real estate over the years. That's mm-hmm. amazing. It's such an insightful story. I mean, it's beautiful. Like you're such a, like you're such a kind person. I mean, even with your time and, and like, I, I hear lots of great things about, you know, you oh, lives and, and helping, you know, investors get to that next level. I, I mean, it, you're, you're such an inspiration. It's an honor to have you on. Are you able to share maybe a little bit about like what you like your coaching options and your programs? I mean, I think it's like, I think it's super helpful for anybody, even if you're, you've got a bunch of properties because you've got lots of different things that you offer. Yeah. Oh, thanks, Sarah. I mean, I mean, and, and honestly though, kudos to you. And I love, I love and respect you so much for asking that question because I know we're all in, in you know, on some level we're in the same industry. I know you also offer training and coaching. And at the end of the day, I love the fact that there's so many of us doing it because the way I look at it is elevating people's financial education and financial literacy is a mission and we cannot do this all by ourselves. That's- yeah. And, and, and you so, know what the thing too, it's just like podcasts, right? You're not going to listen to yeah. just one podcast, just like you might have different coaches for a different part of your journey and different coaches. Exactly. That will, like I have usually like, again, I didn't start off like this, but at a time, like different coaches for different things. And then as you get to different levels and you hire different coaches from there. And I think that's the important part, right? It's like, yes. it helps you towards your journey. Yes. <sighs> yeah. You, you're making me emotional a little bit uh-huh. now. <laughs> <laughs> It's so true. It's so true. And okay, well, so for, I mean, trust your talent. That is um, the the training business that we started. I mean, in two in two thousand and twenty, in twenty twenty, when the world came to a complete stop. And so we're actually very proud of what we stand for. First and foremost, trust your talent. Right now, we focus a lot on what we call financial wellness because I wanted to build trust your talent to be a total wellness type of a uh, type of company focusing on financial wellness, physical wellness, emotional, mental, and spiritual over time. Now, the first phase is financial wellness through real estate investing curriculum. And that curriculum is designed based on Canadian real estate just because all of the main trainers live and invest in Canada. That's where we all started. Quite a few of us now have since branched out into the U.S. market. We've also branched out into the U.K. market over the years. And with that said, though, I mean, we always say that we want to become the Harvard of financial education, especially leveraging real estate investing. I mean, I don't say real estate because we're not a real estate board. We don't train people to become realtors or mortgage brokers. We train people how to become investors. And so through that, that means the mindset training is a big, big, big component of what it really means if somebody wants to elevate their financial literacy. So in the entire curriculum, we always say that when you take that curriculum, you are able to apply it in any market that will accept it. As in, there might be some rules and laws that are different from 
state to state, from province to province, from country to country. However, we are teaching a very comprehensive uh, training curriculum. So through there, we have the stress properties that will also cover the burr process, as most people know it these days as well, and the flipping uh, and the flipping side of things. And we also have income properties for single families and for multifamilies, for commercial buildings as well, focusing a lot more on retail and offices. And we also have short-term rentals. However, we call it serviced accommodations because through all of our portfolio and our journey, we've learned that serviced accommodations actually is a much bigger umbrella that covers short-term rentals like Airbnbs and VRBOs. It also covers student rentals and rooming houses and executive rentals as well. And we also go into portfolio management, focusing a lot more on tenant and property manage, uh, property management. And we go into a lot of creative financing. And that's probably one of my favorite, favorite courses, uh, aside from lease options also, because creative financing is really where we found our stride in terms of really how to leverage OPM. And I know we had, a, we had another uh, session last, last week, I mean, just a few days ago, and where we were talking about what is OPM? What is the definition of OPM? And if you understand and recognize it very clearly, there are literally more than 20 different ways for you to source money and more than a thousand ways that you can actually structure that money to put into deal. So we always say that at the end of the day, financial education really is to train you how to find good deals and how to put it all together. Because when you can do that, money will follow. Because I was 28 years old when I started. And even my parents told me, well, you went to school for marketing and you don't even have a master or PhD. People are not going to respect you. You don't have money. You don't have the experience. How are you going to do this? Right. Hmm. And so through, through the curriculum, it's kind of how we uh, create that vehicle for ourselves and for everybody else now moving, moving forward. And right. the most important component, just to wrap it up now, is the mentorship component. And so while it's good to have theory, we already know that knowledge is no longer power. Apply knowledge is the power. However, I think in between taking classes and actually doing something, we all live in the real world. All we got to recognize is, hey, if you want to collapse your time frame, having a mentor, having a coach, and this is why, like I said earlier, you were making emotional because I think that's the biggest light bulb that I've had as a person, as an investor over my entire lifetime now, if you are able to recognize and put your ego aside, I think we tend to get in our own way of growth and success. The moment you can put all your ego aside and recognize that I need help, I need somebody to give me a hand up. It's never a handout. It's a hand up, not a handout. If you can recognize that, you can fast track and, 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 and achieve whatever it is that you want to, want to achieve so much faster in life. Mm-hmm, for sure. I mean, it, it wasn't until like right before I was leaving my nine to five job that I'm like, you know, I want to get to that next step and get a mentor and get into development and different things like that. But I'll Mm -hmm. I'll tell you, it exponentially helps you grow by having the mentor for, you know, that part of your, your phase of your journey and all that good stuff. So thank you so much for, for going through that. Where can people like get information on trust your talent? Very straightforward. It'll just be www.trustyourtalent.ca. Very cool. Awesome. So Tim, I mean, literally, I, we, can, we can take this in so many directions and I'll have to have you come back yeah. and we can talk even more about, you know, your, your, your deal. Oh, thank you. I know you invest in so many different places, not just Canada. So we'll have to have you back for sure. But the next part of the podcast is a lightning round. So you're going to give me the first answer that comes to mind for the next five questions. Okay. Yes. 
This week's lightning round is brought to you by Megan Chomutz. If you're looking for a great financial advisor to add to your team who actually understands and incorporates real estate as part of your overall plan and gets your money working for you, you can reach out to Megan at meganchomutz.com forward slash Sarah. And also she's offered for my podcast listeners to provide you with a free customized individualized 90 day game plan for getting ahead. So to get that, go to meganchomutz.com forward slash Sarah. That's M-E-G-H-A-N C-H-O-M-U-T dot com forward slash Sarah. And now back to the show. Here we go. Question number one. What is your favorite real estate investing book? Rich That Poor Dad. Number two, not real estate related per se, but do you have a favorite podcast? How I Built This by NPR. All right. Number three, what do you do for fun aside from anything related to real estate? Travel. Playing with my dog. (laughs) Okay. Number four, if you lost everything tomorrow, all of your money, all of your assets, how would you start again? I would start with real estate investing again. Side note, it actually did happen. Different story, different podcast. Oh man. I mean, exactly. We got to bring you back for that. (laughs) Number five, if somebody has $50,000 and they want to get started, how would you recommend they spend that money? I would say delegate that into education and private lending. Okay. All right. Awesome. You are like on point with these answers. It's like rapid fire. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's the point. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's all good. It's all good. You know what? I, uh, I don't have like a criteria per se, but it is like super, like super to the point. It's perfect. How, Tim, how can my listeners reach out and find out more? They can find me on the Trust or Talent website or I'm on Instagram and on Facebook as well. And it's, my handle is the only Tim Tsai. Amazing. Thank you so much, Tim, for being on the show. And uh, please book another booking link that you did because I definitely want to have you back. And let's talk about you losing it all and starting all over again. Will do. (laughs) Thanks, Sarah. Thank you. Hey, guys, before you go, I wanted to ask you a question. What's stopping you from starting or growing your own real estate investment portfolio? I know for me, before I started, I had plenty of reasons. And at the time, they all seemed very valid. But As I started my journey, these reasons slowly fell away and eventually only one reason remained. What was actually stopping me was having a proven, actionable, repeatable system. I didn't have that. And the way that was going to change was by investing in myself, learning, listening, and looking for ways that worked and also most importantly, discovering what didn't and not making those mistakes again. Fast forward to today, I now have a proven repeatable series of action steps that has enabled me to build my seven figure portfolio consisting of multiple homes and I'm able to manage that in two to three hours a month. Is that something that you would want? Well, I've actually taken all the knowledge I've accumulated and put that into a comprehensive step-by-step online program called Rise. And it's a program that will help you from where you are now to where you want to be faster and with less of the headaches that I had. So it consists of all the templates and the resources that I use, plus over 40 instructional videos that you get lifetime access to for just a small one-time investment. And, you know, my recommendation is to make the time now to invest in yourself and grow your portfolio to seven figures so that you can bring your retirement dreams closer. If you want some more information about Rise, just go to sarahlarby.com forward slash R-I-S-E to access more details and book your spot. Thanks so much for listening to Where Should I Invest with your host, Sarah Larby. Make sure to listen in next time. We'll catch you on the next episode of Where Should I Invest.